Ephesians 2.18, For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God. Father, Lord, we pray you bless us now. Help us as we uh, glean this from the scriptures here tonight. And please use it to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For uh, the, the first point here tonight is uh, we, we covered last week boldness with access with boldness to the Father, right? We talked about that. And we talked about the importance of prayer and the importance of when we pray being bold because we are promised that access through faith in Jesus Christ by the atonement that was made for us. That that gives us access to the throne room of God. We are right in the throne room of God forever. We are never barred from the throne room of God because Jesus is never barred from the throne room of God. He always has access. He sits on the right hand of the Father, right? So we have that same access. And we have to remember that when we pray, that we pray with faith and we believe God and we pray boldly. And the, the bolder you are in prayer, the bolder you will be in your Christian walk. If, you're, if you do not develop those things in prayer, then you will not be as strong in your Christian life and your Christian walk because your prayer life is, is hindered. Your prayers are not what they should be. So you ought to grow in your prayer life. You ought to grow in boldness in prayer before God. That's important. But now the second application of this is the Jew and the Gentile reference here that we focus on a little bit here. He said, for through him we both have access though we both are Jew and Gentiles that are in Christ. Whether we be Jew or Gentile, it matters not. In Christ, we have that access. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. That is both the Jews and the Gentiles being made one and reconciled unto God. Reconciliation is always a legal term. It means that when I am reconciled to God, it means legally I am, I have, I, the terms of reconciliation have been met. And who met those? Christ did. You did not meet those. You are not responsible for those. Christ is responsible for those. You are called to repent and believe the gospel. You are not called to reconcile yourself in that sense. You are reconciled by faith in Christ. So it is by repentance and faith. Christ is the one that makes the reconciliation. If you come to terms with that, if you repent and believe the gospel, it is Christ that does that. So then Paul, he further explains that middle wall of partition being broken down. The destroyed enmity between Jew and Gentile. It's destroyed and between God. So Jew, Gentile, and God, between them has all been, that enmity has been destroyed. You are no longer enemies. So then if God has destroyed then the enmity, there was no need in Christ any longer for those to be separated, for Jew and Gentile to be separated, but they could be in one body. That does not mean that the Jews will not enjoy some of their cultural distinctions. Uh, Gentiles won't enjoy theirs. It means that they won't be a means of offense and disunity between us. That we can go to church together, worship the Lord together, pray together. We have bold access to the Father. I know I keep hitting on this very thing, but you have to understand Paul keeps emphasizing it. He keeps finding different ways to explain that as he goes down in, in Ephesians chapter 2. So he's drilling that one truth home. He's, he continues to drill that home as that benefit of salvation, that this is the work that God was doing. This was, this was how saved Jewish evangelists could preach the gospel to the heathen. And the heathen did not have to become Jews to be saved. And the Jews were not violating their consciences by preaching, eating, and fellowship with the converted heathens of other lands who went from being heathens to sons of the living God. It's remarkable. You and I just live thousands of years away from that. So for us to understand, nearly 2,000 years away from that, for us to understand the magnitude of that, it's kind of hard for us because we didn't grow up in that culture. But if you grew up in Jerusalem, if you grew up over in that time period, then all of a sudden... Uh, Pentecost happens, right? On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit comes down and uh, the mighty rushing wind and, and they're filled with the Holy Ghost and they begin to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance and then, 
and then 17 different languages are spoken at that time and men are being and 3,000 are added to the church daily such as should be saved remember nobody up in the upper room uh, that wasn't about preaching that was the, that was the, they were waiting for power from on high then Peter goes out and preaches and what happens did Peter preach in tongues no <laughs> Peter just went out and preached and 3,000 people were saved men, women, and children, I think, were added to that number. And he said they were added uh, to the church daily, such as should be saved. That was a mighty gift. That was a moving of God. But the preaching is what, what led the people to the Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit used, is the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. He didn't use tongues. Tongues were a sign for the Jews to understand God was doing a work, right? And he was going to save those people. He, he, he did those 17 languages or so, or how many ever there was, to show them that the gospel is to go out everywhere. It was to go into all languages, to be published among all nations. Isn't that what Jesus said when he left, that the gospels be published in all nations? Right? They were going to go to all the world and preach the gospel to every... How are they going to do that? Well, they were going to use that gift of tongues as well. Right? That would be a short-term gift until the word of God was there. And once you had the, the, the word of God, then it was translated. You didn't need it any longer. Because now you can translate the written word of God everywhere. The New Testament could be translated. There's no, no reason for that. Any longer for that, it was, it was done away with. Bold access to the Father by Jesus Christ. That's what they had, and all men can have that access to the Father. It is not found in a Jewish temple in Jerusalem, but it's found in the throne room of heaven. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 28. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. You know, you have people that try to say, oh, everyone, all of us are children of God. No, we're not. It's not true. All are children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Those are the children of God, right? Not the lost. God is their creator. God is the father of creation in that sense, right? But he is not their covenant father. He's not their father according to the covenant of grace. He's not. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ all are made one. One in worth. Right? One in equality, but not one in, not one identically, right? So it doesn't mean that the husband and the wife are the same. Well, no, God makes a distinction. In value, they're the same. In worth, they're the same. But they don't have identical duties. That's the difference. Just like in the church, there's not identical duties. Everyone's worth is the same in the church. Everyone's value is the same in the church. But not everybody's duty is the same in the church, right? That's, but, we're, but the value is the same. No matter who you are. The value is the same, right? So that's important to understand because some people confuse that. And that's why the feminists will, will try to grab onto some of those words and see, say, see, I could preach because there's neither male nor female. Well, you have to ignore a lot of Bible to, to come up with that, especially the husband of one wife. That's a hard one to get out of. Right? That's a kind of a difficult one to get around, isn't it? Right? And that women are supposed to be silent in the church. It's not permitted for them to speak. How in the world can you get up and preach if you're not even supposed to speak? Right? That's a tough one, isn't it? Not really. Not if you understand the Bible. It's pretty simple, isn't it? They don't like those verses. They kind of ignore those. They think Paul, he had a little bit of chauvinistic problems. <laughs> not a chauvinist, that Paul. Misogynist. Right? Little meanie head. Number two, we cannot overlook the strong Trinitarian language that's here either. For through him, who's him? Christ. For through him, we both have access by one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, right? Unto the Father. That's the Father. So there you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost all in one verse. The Bible always assumes and declares the Trinity. It doesn't even explain it. It doesn't even question it. It just declares it. God doesn't want you to try to understand that in that sense. 
or I should say, not that he doesn't want you to understand it. It's not a qualification to believe it, that you get it, that you can understand. Well, how does that work? How can, I, I can't really understand the Trinity that well. Well, you weren't really called to understand it. You're called to believe it. God just declares it and you're to believe it. Amen. You're just to believe God. I don't understand how that all works. You don't have to. You won't be able to. None of us can fully understand all that. We'll understand it better when we get to heaven and we're perfect and we don't have this sinful flesh any longer. We'll understand a lot of things. But you're not, you're not commanded to understand it. You're commanded to believe it. You're not, a, you're not uh, commanded to try to explain it. Every time I see people try to over-explain the Trinity, they end up getting into heresy like super quick. Right? I mean, it doesn't take very long. I watched some Ruckmanites do it. Man, they just kept twisting themselves. And then they'd make a video about why their last video was, was this and that their last video was this. And every time they made another video, it just, looked, it just got worse. Like, you guys need to just shut up. Stop. They were preaching modalism. Have you watched that video? Some of you have, maybe not. <laughs> right? So they're pre in Arianism and modalism and all kinds of other stuff, right? They didn't understand it. They just kept going with it. That was funny because I'm like, well, Peter Ruckman never preached that. I don't know where you guys got this from. You're supposed to be Ruckmanites, but Ruckman didn't preach any of that stuff. He didn't preach that. That wasn't from him. I don't know where you got it from. Whoever you got it from, you better give it back because it's wrong. But anyway... The, the Trinitarian language is very clear there. We come to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. This is the proper order in prayer. We pray to the Father through Christ by the Spirit. It is the Father who initiated salvation and sent the Son to be the Savior of the world and sent the Spirit at Pentecost. It is Christ who has made the atonement to remove the sin barrier. It is the Spirit who sanctifies the believer by drawing him, enlightening him, convicting him, regenerating him, sealing him, and living in him. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. That's God's work. No man gets saved without the work of the Holy Ghost. It is God's work. The Spirit of God uses the preaching of God's Word. That's what He uses. It's God's operation. Salvation is of the Lord. And the, the entire uh, Godhead, the entire Trinity is involved. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. All involved. Amen. And that must be understood. It's the Spirit of God that does the work. And, and that works on the heart of man. Uh, the, the Word of God is preached and the Holy Spirit of God drives that truth home to the heart of that person to see their lost condition and that they're guilty before God and that they're dead. In you say, some people say, I can't see that. I know. Ask God to show you. Amen. That's what I've always, I pray for my children the same way. They come to me and they start talking to me about salvation and I start talking to them through the scriptures. And then I say, well, and they, I can tell they just don't quite understand it. They're not there. And I'm not a fundamentalist, so I don't run them through a prayer and be like, well, let's just hope for the best. Uh, repeat after me. Uh, with the Baptist rosary, I don't do that. Okay, I, I don't do that. Now, if somebody was ready and my children needed help in praying, there's nothing wrong with helping them. There's nothing. Because God will save anybody. I mean, God will just, He will. We can't, we don't deny the power of the Holy Ghost to save sinners. And, uh, you know, the, God does, and children. And by the way, children, let me say this to you. God wants you to be saved at a young age and live for God your whole life. That's what he wants. He doesn't want you to have some fantastically terrible story of living like a heathen and then, and then having to come back with him with sorrow in your heart and a, and, and a life that has to the, the, the pieces have to be picked up from. God wants you to get saved at a young age and live for him your whole life. And you know what? You don't need any other, any other extravagance than that right there, that the Holy Ghost kept you through it all. That's what you need. That's the testimony that God desires for his children. He doesn't want you to go out in the world and live like hell and then come back and do all that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to destroy your life. You may not come back. Amen. You don't play games with God. Okay, God wants you to be saved young. And he wants you to live a life for Christ your whole life. That's what he wants. He wants you to live and die serving him. Amen. That's what God wants. That's what my, my goal is for you, that you never have to, that you never see the life that I live, that you never go through that, that you never walk down that and have that sorrow in your heart and that, and that pain and that sin and those things. I don't want you to ever have that. That's why I preach the way I do and do what I do. Amen. 
So, so you don't. So God would use that, all right? But God can use that prayer. I'm not saying that God doesn't, but what I'm saying is, is, that, is that what I told my children is this. I looked at them and I said, well, you just keep praying and keep reading your Bible and you keep asking God to show you. And God will. And each one of them, time would go by and each one of them, it is proven to be true that God would speak to them and they would see their need. They would understand the, the, you know, some of the younger ones haven't yet, but I mean the ones that have talked to me about that. And each one of them, for the most part, has come to that place where they understand. Why? Because I can't show them that. I can only point them. It's the Spirit of God that drives that home to their hearts. And that's what we want because we know that when God does something, it's for good. Amen. And, and God does that work. So you just keep nurturing that and you encourage them to ask God to show them. And that's what I've told them. You ask God to show you. He'll show you. God will reveal that unto you. You ask him to. And then they, you know, they, they say yes and they go on their way. And maybe it'll be a few years even at times. You know, and then all of a sudden I hear from him in the middle of the night usually or something like that <laughs> when, I, when I hear from him, right? I hear, or I hear a little knock on my door, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> and they need to talk, Dad, I need to talk, okay. All right, amen. So that's, that's how we deal with that, and we let God do the work, amen. But we always foster that. We always help that. We always encourage that. We always speak to them about that, and we always uh, show them. I pray when I pray with them. I pray that God would show them their lost condition. I pray that with them. When, I'm, when they, they come up and sit in my lap and we pray, I pray for them. God, please show them their, their lost condition and help them to come to Christ. Help them to see their need for Jesus. I, I pray that over and over again. I pray that for them on my own, and I pray that with them when I'm with them. And you ought to do the same. You ought to pray for them. You ought to pray for your children and pray for God to reveal that unto them. Pray for them to see that, that God would show that to them. Amen? Because God does that, and He will do it. He is faithful. Amen? And uh, so you and I have to be. It is the Spirit who sanctifies the believer. But now the most distant Gentile who is in Christ really and continuously enjoys that uh, August spiritual privilege which the one man of the one tribe of the one nation on the one day of the year only typically and periodically possessed right so the Old Testament Jew he only typically and periodically in one day a year possessed that by that sacrifice before the high priest to be able to come boldly before the throne of God that he would obtain mercy now they prayed yes but they didn't have what we have they typified those things, right? The Jew did not know anything in Old Testament times about access unto the Father. They didn't have that. That's why what Paul is preaching. Now, you see Abraham, he was in covenant, right? Abraham prayed, Isaac prayed, but it doesn't say that the rest of those men, you never hear of them having that close communion, right? With God like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did, or Joseph did, or some of the others did. Some men did have them as pictures of the covenant. I'm not saying they didn't pray. What I'm saying is they didn't have what we have, right? They had to do their worshiping through sacrifices and through, and through types and emblems and they prayed to God but their their access was not through the son it wasn't through Jesus Christ like that it wasn't the same See, the Old Testament Jew, he had a tabernacle, and the way into the holiest was not yet made known, and the Gentile was without God altogether. But now believing Jews and Gentiles belong to the family of God, indwelt by the same Spirit, the Spirit of Sonship. That's the Spirit sent into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's the Spirit that God hath given us, Right? This is how Christ made Jew and Gentile one, by destroying the enmity and making one new man and one new body so all could worship in Christ and come before the throne of God. There is no hierarchy any longer. There is no man except the man Christ Jesus to go through, the mediator. But we see the Trinity in action. We see the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. You have to miss the Trinity on purpose in the Bible. You have to miss it on purpose. 
or someone has to teach you out of it. They just have to teach you, well, that's not what, that's not there. Oh, really? It's right there. <laughs> you don't see that, huh? How about a couple verses? Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. That's, I mean, that's a salutation. Yeah, I know. Isn't that something? He's mentioning it right there, too. Like, that's... How about Matthew 3.16, where we see Jesus being baptized? Turn there. And Jesus, that's the Son, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's the Father's voice from heaven. Bearing witness. Three distinct persons, right? Three persons. I'm not sure how you get around that. <laughs> God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Three, three persons. Right there, three in one. That's hard to understand. Yep. I know. You don't have to. You just have to believe God. Right? It's amazing. Right? But that's the way the Bible says it. That's what God says. See, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. There are the witnesses before Jesus' baptism right there, right? By the way, there are also you have the, the God's seal of approval on believer's baptism, right? Now, we know Jesus Christ is God. And he was being baptized to what? Fulfill all righteousness as a pattern for who? You. Not because there was something wrong with him, but he learned obedience, right? By what? The things which he suffered. Same, same way you do. Only he suffered it because of you and I, not because of him. <laughs> That's the difference. He never once said, this is not fair. Did he? Why should I have to suffer for what these people do? He never said that. Right? That's love, isn't it? 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the Bible says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Again. And of course, 1 John 5, 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Boy, they hate that verse, don't they? They like to get rid of those clear verses. Let's get rid of that. That doesn't belong in the, the oldest and best manuscripts. You mean the most corrupted manuscripts? Right. <laughs> They leave that out. They don't like that one, do they? So to sum up that portion of the verse before we jump into verse 19 for a few minutes here and do part of that verse, the proof that peace has thus been obtained for both is that both have equally free access to God. At the beginning of the verse, it is rendered that it is indicated that the, that the nature of peace... But since as introducing the evidence that such peace was procured, it was given. That evidence is found in the fact that we have access to God. You have access to God. Had not his wrath been removed, the enmity been slain, we could have no access to the divine presence. And since Gentiles have as free access to God as the Jews, and upon the same terms, and in the same way, it follows that the peace procured by the death of Christ was designed for the one class as well as for the other. Access, listen, is not mere liberty of approach. It is introduction. Christ did not die simply to open the way of access to God, but actually to introduce us into the presence and the favor of God. Do you understand the difference in that? What does that mean exactly? It means that he opened wide the door, walked in and introduced us in the covenant to our Father. 
What does that mean? A lot if you pay attention. It means that your prayers according to the will of God are answered. Not because of your worth, but because of Christ's worth. He brought you in to see the king. He gave you favor with the king. His favor. You get that, right? I don't have favor because I do a good job. You get it? Or I'm sinless, so I have favor with God. No. I have favor with God because Christ is sinless. Christ is perfect. How vain are we? That's a big one. Because sometimes when we pray, we almost think that we have to deserve what God gives us or earn what God gives us when the favor has already been given. Do you understand that? It's not just he opened up the way for you to walk through the road. So you can, here's the road, right? Here's the way, and he opened the door for it, so go ahead and walk in. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. Come here, Dave. Even with your shoes off, it's cool. Uh, just don't look at his feet, and you'll be fine. <laughs> All right? This is what he did, okay? Let's just say the king's throne was there. Jesus brought us in to the throne room. Do you get that? He didn't just open the door and say, well, mosey on in if you can. No, he brought us, thank you, that he brought us in to the throne room of God. You have access to the throne room of God. You've been brought into it. That's why you pray with boldness. That's the purpose. That's the reason. You don't pray with boldness because you're good or I'm good or we do a really good job. No, it's Christ. And the longer I've been saved, the more I come to understand that. The more I've studied this Ephesians chapter 2, the more I've come to understand that in its different applications. That it is Christ. It is your access is Christ. Your boldness is Christ. If you understand that, you'll pray more with confidence and boldness. Because you'll realize that, well, I, the, the, the door to the throne room has been open. I've been brought in. This man that was given an illustration, he was telling about a young boy. One day there was a young boy and he was sitting outside of Buckingham Palace. And the, the, the young boy, he was just kind of standing there in awe and looking around. And... And the boy, he was just looking around at the guards and he was looking around outside of the gates and he was looking around. And this man said, oh, do you, do you want to go in there? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, okay, come on, let's go. And he grabbed him and he brought him past the first guards and the guards just, you know, nodded their head, right? And then he, he brought him in through the kitchen. He brought him in through the different compartments and he, and he asked the boy, so what do you want? He goes, oh, I want to see the king. So he kept walking him through the, the palace and walking him through the servants' entrances and walking him through all those places. And he walked him right into the throne room to the king and he introduced him to the king. And the king called out to the man that did it and it was his son. Right? His son brought, the prince brought, brought him in to see the king. And he had access. And that's exactly what Jesus did for you and I. He he brought us in in Christ we are in the throne room of God that's powerful he's never understood it like that neither have I really <laughs> I mean I pray and I believe God's going to answer my prayers but I've never really thought about that specifically before until I continued to study this and it's like this is amazing because that's what God wants us to understand when you pray God wants you to understand that he wants you to see that. Access is not mere liberty of approach. It is introduction.
Christ did not die simply to open the way of access to God, but actually to introduce us into his presence and favor. This is what all scripture teaches. This is the context. This is what the context demands. Those for whom the death of Christ has procured, procured peace and declared in what follows to be fellow citizens of the saints, members of the family of God. Constituents, parts of that temple in which God dwells by his spirit. It is a real, not a mere potential redemption and reconciliation which the blood of Christ effects. It's not like, oh, well, you have a, a chance to do this. No. By faith in Christ, by being born again by the Spirit of God, you are there. Why do you think Paul looks at them in the beginning of Ephesians and says you are sat in heavenly, you already sit in heavenly places? That's why he says that. You're already there. Well, I don't feel like I'm there. Who said you got to feel like it? You live in a wicked world. Of course you don't feel like it. What you feel and what you are are two different things many times. It doesn't really matter what you feel. It matters what the facts are. That's, it doesn't matter how you feel. I don't always feel. Again, who cares? It doesn't matter. Facts are facts. Truth is truth. It doesn't, that doesn't have anything to do with the feelings of it. But you can go ahead and live on your feelings if you want to and live beneath the privileges and what God has given you and waste your life here on earth. Or you can simply believe God and be used of him to see mighty things done. Amen. The choice is yours to make when it comes to that. You have to make that decision whether you believe God or not. That's what it all comes down to at the end of the day. Well, do you believe God or not? <laughs> that's, by the way, that's in every case in your life. Whatever your trial is, all of your trials come down to unbelief. It's a testing of your faith. What are, what are trials? The trying of your faith worketh patience. Patience experience, experience hope, and hope maketh not a shame. Right? That's, that's what God said. Y your faith has to be tried. How is it tried? Through trials. That's how it's tried. I know, but this, this, is, this is a terrible one. Yeah. I know. Do you believe God or not? That's, I mean, it always comes down to that. You're waiting for God to do something. You're, you're wanting God to do something for you. Whatever the trial is, you're, you, you, you need God to, to help you to get through it. You, and you have to believe God. That's what it always is. You either believe God and his goodness or you don't. That is what it comes down to. Every single trial. You know why you, you know, if you get out of line, if you jump ahead of God and you try to follow your lusts and your passions and your desires, what is that? It's a lack of faith. You understand that, right? It's a lack of faith. That's what it is. Why? Because you're wanting to follow your lusts and your desires and you're not trusting that your heavenly father knows exactly where you are and has given you exactly what you need and wants you to depend on him. So you don't want to wait on him. You want to go ahead of it and get what you want, how you want it, when you want it. Right? That's, that's a lack of faith. So God tries your faith with those trials to grow your faith. And you think that though some strange thing has happened unto you. But it's not that strange. To you it is. To me it is when we're going through it. But it isn't. It's a testing. It's a trying of the faith. He died the just for the unjust to bring us unto God. Bring us nigh unto God. This introduction into a state of grace is not identical with the peace procured by Christ. But the effect or sequence of it. Having made propitiation or secured peace, he introduces us as our mediator and advocate into the divine presence. So it's because peace was paid for, that's separate. Christ paid for that peace. Now the fruit of that peace is you having access to the Father. You walking into the throne room, him bringing you into there. God seeing your prayers as Christ's prayers when they're according to his will. That's, that's why they're answered. Right? That's, that's the reason. That's why, not because you're good. Right? 
It's not because of you. It's because of him. Amen. Better remember that. You ever forget that God's going to show you how good you're not. He'll remind you of that. <laughs> if you forget that and you become, as a, I'm talking about being saved. As a Christian, if you become self-righteous and you believe that you're, you're pretty good, you're, you're doing a pretty good job, God will remind you. God will allow trials to come in to test your faith, to try you, to see whether you will follow him or not, and to humble you and to teach you. Amen. That's what God does. Secondly, this access is through Christ. This means, first, as explained in the context, by his blood, by his flesh, and by his cross. That is, it is by his vicarious death. It is by his dying, the just for the unjust, that he brings us near to God. It is by his intercession, for he has not only died for us, but he has passed through the heavens there to appear before God for us. Don't you understand? He died here on this earth. He was buried and he rose again from the dead, but he ascended not for himself. He ascended for you. That's why he ascended and for me. It wasn't, I mean, he didn't need to ascend. He could have walked around here. Nobody could have done anything to him. He could have walked here for 2,000 years. He ascended for us. Why? To give us access to the throne room of God. So he went up straight to the throne room of God. Amen. And blood was on the mercy seat, right? He, he went there and he sat upon the mercy seat. Fully God and fully man. Redemption paid for. Completely. God Almighty and His wrath completely satisfied. Amen. That's powerful. Why is that important? Well, that way when you pray, you're right, your prayers go right to the throne of God because of Christ. It is therefore through Him as our mediator, our intercessor, introducer, our forerunner, that we draw near to God. Don't you get it? It's through Christ that you draw near to God. You can't know God without Christ. And I'm going to tell you something right now. If you don't get to know Christ through the scriptures and understand who he is, fully God and fully man, and enter into the sorrows of the man of sorrows and understand the trials that he went through and the temptations that he went through and the struggles that he went through and all of those things, you lack peace and comfort because you don't understand Christ as the man. He just... When people go through depression and, and, and issues like that and anxieties and, and mental troubles and turmoil, the one thing that they don't do, that they neglect to do, is go to Christ and go to that Garden of Gethsemane and go to where Christ suffered and go through his temptation, the Bible calls it, and, and, and see Christ through his temptation and his trials and gain strength from that. I'll tell you what, when I was going through depression, one of the one things that, one of the one places that God took me was through Christ and, and the man Christ Jesus and seeing him as a man and showing me that he was fully God and fully man. And you've understood him being fully God, but how much have you understood him being fully man? And how much, how much security and how much strength and how much compassion and, and how, how Christ builds your faith when you study Christ as the man? suffering man that's to build your faith and encourage you why because as he was in the world so were we also in the world and as the father gave him victory and as he and as he trusted his heavenly father you have to and as he went through those trials and he didn't use any of his power as being God to take him out of those trials. You get that, right? Like Jesus never eased his comfort by using the power of God. Only through prayer, fasting and prayer and the same means that a man would. But he never used any miracles to help himself. 
show anywhere in the Bible and look anywhere through there where Christ did that. What They even had a parable, physician heal thyself, right? And they mocked him, right? Because he couldn't, he didn't heal himself. He could have. He had power to heal himself, right? He said, I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my father. That's right. But Jesus will willingly suffered as a man. Willingly. Never like he didn't he didn't go walking on water to make his trip easier. He didn't go, he didn't go do it. What did he do? He suffered as a man. He submitted himself. He didn't look at Pilate and say, I'm God and I'll kill you. Why? Because he came to die. He came to suffer for the sins of the world. So he didn't do any of those things. But you enter in, and if you understand Christ as the man, you'll get great comfort from that in your sorrow. You have sorrows, he's the man of sorrows. You're acquainted with grief, he's acquainted with grief. Amen. He just had to do it with your, my sins and your sins on him. How much sorrow would that be? You didn't even sin and you have it on you. It's holy God taking sin upon him. Bruised for what? Our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. See, that's that when you understand that, when you get that, man, you'll think you won't think, man, I got a pretty bad shake in life. Life's pretty hard for me. You you might have some challenges, but you didn't go through that. And you'll learn to gain strength through the trials that that Christ went through when you study the man. That's by the way, that's what it's there for, for you to learn and grow and to model yourself after. That's why it's there. That's why, that's why he says, look, that's why uh, Paul says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's why he said that. He's the mediator, the intercessor, the introducer, the forerunner. This is a truth so plainly impressed on the scriptures and so graven on the hearts of believers that it gives form to all our modes of approach to the throne of God. It is in the name of Christ, all our praises, thanksgivings, confessions and prayers are offered in the name of Jesus. What does that mean? By the authority of Christ. It's like when we baptize. People say, do you baptize in Jesus' name? Sure. Baptize upon the authority of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All of them. Amen. What if you don't say that? What if I don't? It's still under His authority. It's still His name. It ain't some formula. Right? It's upon the authority. It's God's authority. That's what it means to do something in his name. Well, I pray in Jesus' name. Why? Because of his authority. He's the mediator. That's why we pray in Jesus' name. That's why all of our prayers are according to Christ and in Jesus' name. Amen. That's why. Because he's our high priest that can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He's our high priest. That's why you pray in Jesus' name. Because that's our bold access unto the Father. Recognizing Christ. When all our praises are to be to Christ and through Christ. All our thanksgivings are to be through Christ. All our confessions are through Christ. When you go to God and you confess your sins, he says if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All our confessions that we confess unto God, everything that we do unto God, it ought to be in Jesus' name. It's upon his authority. It's through him. He's our mediator. Right? Jesus prayed to the Father, didn't he? All our prayers are offered, and for his sake alone do we hope to find them accepted. His sake alone, not ours. I mean, when I pray for the needs of this church and different things that come up and different things, like, Lord, it's your church. I mean, <laughs> you got to take care of it. It's not mine. 
I don't own it, Lord. You do. It's yours. We're yours. These bills, this trip, this whatever it is you have me doing or whatever it is you want us to pay for, Lord, you got to provide it. Lord, you got to speak to people's hearts. You got to touch people's hearts. I never know how God's going to do that. I just know he's going to do it. I just believe he's going to do it. I never know how he's going to do it. Like, I don't have a set. Oh, I think it's going to come here. Man, I've thought things before. Man, it's probably, God's going to probably use this. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I don't, even, I don't even know them. I don't even know who they are half the time. They just send money. I don't know who they are. Right? Somebody asked me, aren't you concerned about it? I said, no. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. I ain't worried about it. <laughs> Gotta use anybody who wants to send money. What's that got to do with me? It ain't got nothing to do with me. Right? God will use whoever he wants to. He does too. Man, people that hate my guts now used to send a lot of money. <laughs> it's okay, Lord. Then they hate me afterwards. Okay. Whatever. God still used them though, didn't it? You're sitting on the same seats right now. <laughs> God used. <laughs> Except Dave, he's not. He got that one from the bank. He got that one from Lee. That was free. <laughs> right, Lee? I think that's where you got those. Amen. God will use whoever he wants to. I just laugh and keep going. <laughs> right? I do. I just laugh and keep going. It's like, oh, well, whatever. It's God's church, right? It's the way it is. Thirdly, this access to the Father is by the Spirit. The inward change by which we are enabled to believe in Christ. The feelings of desire, reverence, filial confidence, which are essential to our communion with God, are the fruits of the Spirit. That's the Spirit that He sends into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. When, the, when I went through depression and all those things, and I mean, my mind is just completely gone. I was wondering if it was going to come back. <laughs> Any of it. It's like, man, is that coming back or what? But you know something? When, when I went through that and those things happened, the one thing that wasn't touched was me going to God because that's the first thing I did. Because when, 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 when I felt God's presence, like, seemingly pull away from me I ran to him I didn't run away from him I wasn't going to hide from him no I went after him <laughs> why because of God's spirit that's why because God sent forth his spirit into my heart crying Abba Father and the minute when it's dark and it's scary what do children do they look for their father right they want to know where their father is. You know, when it was dark and scary, I went to my father and I banged on his door and I kept banging on his door and banging on his door and I kept banging on the door and I didn't stop banging until he answered me and I just kept banging. Day after day after day, year after year after year, just kept knocking, kept pressing, wouldn't let God go, lived in this book and let, it, let, let God deal with my heart and life. And I would not let him go until he blessed me. I would not let him go. And you know what? He answered. He answered. And the deepest and darkest, most, you, you may think, you may think, <laughs> see, no one can explain the darkness of their own mind to you. It's difficult to explain that to people. So I understand, I sympathize with people when they explain it to me, because I get it. It's hard to explain if you're almost losing your mind. It's hard for people to, to it's hard to explain that to people. When you literally hear a thousand voices in your head all at once, it's hard to explain to people how dark that can get, how dismal that can get, how depressive that can get, how absolute, where everything seems to be completely dark. And there is like, there seems to be no light. It's hard to explain that to people. If you've never been through it, you can't even sympathize with it. You can try and you can attempt to, but you really can't. 
You can't until God touches you with it and you have that happen to you. And when you have that happen to you, you'll never be the same again. When you're touched with that darkness and your mind goes that way, where you don't even know if you're ever going to think clearly again, like you're not sure. Like you don't, you're like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to, like my mind will ever be clear again. Like how long am I going to be like this? Like am I, am I ever going to, is it ever going to stop? When you get, when things are that dark, when it's that bad, you have to cry out to God. But you want proof of the Spirit of God with you, that's one of them. Because incidentally, the, the most interesting things was about that was is that some assurances were completely pulled away, it seemed like, but others were strengthened through that. Because God began to speak to me through his word and, and to teach me and to guide me. And I mean, I wrote thousands of pages of notes. I got them somewhere. I mean, they're everywhere. Andrew said he's got a scanner over there. I can scan all of them. I want to put them all in a file. I'd like to scan them and figure out if I could do a Word document like that. Maybe Micah can figure that out for me. But uh, I'd like to scan them all to make them searchable. That would be awesome. But maybe, maybe we can figure that out someday. But Because uh, there's a lot of them. There's a, there's a lot of notes. A lot. But anyway, uh, but God will speak to you through those dark times, and he'll use that to help others. Hence, we are said to be drawn or led by the Spirit, and the Spirit also as well as Christ is called our advocate. And God said, and God, it is said, because we are sons, has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's the access. God gives you a spirit. He didn't give you a spirit for you to be lazy so you don't pray. He gave you a spirit so you pray. So you cry out to him. And you should have a desire to cry out to God. You should. And you should not be lazy. When you're troubled, you should cry out to God. When you're not troubled, you should cry out to God. But when you're troubled like that, you should cry out to God and you should get answers from God. You should stop trying to seek answers from men and seek them from God. And he'll give them to you. He promised. That's why he gave you access. In order for you to use it. Amen. Father, Lord, thank you. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you'd help us. That you'd speak to our hearts. Through your word, Lord. Through your spirit that you'd guide us into all truth. Help us to cry out to you when we need it most. Father, please, there are people that are hurting in this room. There are people that are struggling with things. There are people that need to get a hold of heaven. And Lord, I pray that your people would do just that. And there may be some here that have never been born again by the Spirit of God. Lord, break their heart tonight in repentance and faith. Bring them into that into boldness with access unto the Father by faith in Jesus Christ. In your precious name we pray, amen.